The world as you know it has ended. The worlds as you don't know them yet are waiting with open arms. This is Durgans and Dargans. Welcome to Durgans and Dargans. We are a podcast for the whole family. As long as your whole family is into intense, bloody adventures... We take D&D seriously, but we're not about to teach your six-year-old any unfortunate vocabulary words. I'm your dungeon master, Ben. With me today is Matt. Introduce your character, Matt. Hello. Yep, that's my name. My name's Matt. I'm going to be playing Jet, the gnome fighter. I am also playing with Aaron. Uh, hi, I'm Aaron. I'm playing Darren Buccaneer, the Minotaur Sorcerer. And also I am playing with Charles. Yo, Charles. Brutal. Wizard. <laughs> nice. You are on your first real mission after the destruction of your universe. You have been exploring Salvagian Moss, the junk universe, searching for a few sundry items for Professor Absentine. Three copper gears, two onyx bricks, and a half pound of edible fungus. Very classic RPG. You met a shambling mound who did not fight you, but instead gave you a side quest to purify the deep water beneath him that was poisoning his dreams in exchange for a bunch of edible fungus that would not only be edible, but beneficial. You went down a winding staircase and found snakes in a sunken grotto. You fought them and won. At the end of that battle, you opened a chest and found a whole bunch of edible gems. You had a hundred and then Jet ate one, so now there's 99. You also found a banner that looked startlingly like the Hodelay family crest from your own destroyed universe. At this point, we are just finishing up that battle. You guys are wounded and weary, and you are climbing back up the stairs to meet the shambling mound. Whose name you ever asked? He sees you guys come out of the stairs and says, Oh, hello. Did you fix the problem i feel a little healthier we killed a bunch of snakes if that's what you mean that would do it and and they're all dead uh well they stopped attacking so we're assuming that yes they're all dead that'll probably do it well i'm as good as my word here have some edible moss. And he starts plucking pieces off himself and handing it to you. Uh, one of it is green, which was one of the things that, uh, or edible fungus, I should say. One of it is green, which was the, I think one of the requirements that Professor Absentine gave you. And he says, uh, this moss, some people call the moss of wide eye. And he gives you like a chunk of it. There's like, maybe two pounds of it, uh, which makes up about eight, eight uh, servings, we'll say. Uh, so eight uses of the Moss of Wide-Eye, which, when consumed, gives you advantage on your next perception or investigation check. Ooh, nice. He pulls off a piece of brown fungus and says, Some people call this nice moss. This one... Uh, when soaked in water, makes it a potion of minor healing. So whenever you guys uh, dump some of it in your canteens, uh, it will turn that po turn that canteen into a potion of minor healing, and you can just kind of put some in the next time. But once you've drunk the canteen, you can't use it again until you refill it with water. Uh, the next one, he says, uh, pulling off a l bright red chunk of moss, this just smells nice. I like it. It makes me smell nice. This one, when you take a piece of it and shove it up your nose, gives advantage on smell-based constitution saving throws, which, given the fact that you are in the junk universe, might come in handy. How many servings of those other two do we get? Eight servings of the Moss of Wide-Eye, um, four of which... Um, or two of which you will need to keep for Professor Absentine. Uh, so you have six servings of the Moss of Wide-Eye. You have four servings of Nice Moss. And you have 
call it a, a near infinite supply of sweet smelling moss. Like all you need is a tiny little dab of it in each nostril. So you have an enormous amount of it. You just need to remember to use it. Uh, we'll split that one three ways then. So who shall, uh, who'll be carrying the moss? I'll take it. I'm, I'm sure I can carry it. Oh, all right then. Well, I just saw you eat a gem, so I'm not con- I'm not really sure I trust you that something that we actually don't want eaten to be in Jet's hands. Oh, come on, you don't you don't need to be foodist. Right, but you do also carry around utensils. It seems like eating is gonna be your thing, so I'd rather just hold on to the food based items and ration them out if that's okay. Foodism is the only type of discrimination I will allow in this game. <laughs> I was going to say, you did just eat a rock without even a second question. Right, and that's what I'm concerned about. Because it smelled sweet, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. fine, whatever. (laughs) Okay, the shambling mound looks down at you guys and says, You guys look pretty beaten up. If you want to take a little nap here on my island, I'll protect you for a few hours. And that gives you guys a chance to take a long rest. I say we take it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the sake of time, you take a long rest. Uh, The sun is behind gray clouds. You never really see where it is in the sky, but at some point it goes down, and at some point it comes back up. And in the morning, you are rested, and your shambling mound friend gives you a goodbye and says, Well, I don't know what else you're looking for, but it's probably somewhere out there. Good luck. How on earth, if we are in a, in a flat, void, like infinite expanse of garbage, how does the sun set and rise? That's a great question, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to question things. That's a great question. No, that's a fantastic question. I'm not going to answer it, <laughs> but, you know, it's a good question. Where is the sun? In which direction is the sun? We should be able to see that. Uh, yes, the sun rose from one side and set on the other side. Okay. There was no north, south, east, west here. You went right away from the gate. Like, the gate was facing straight. So for the sake of this, maybe we can call that north. The gate gate was facing straight, and you took a right and just kind of kept going. So we will say... Or rather, can, could, could, Jet tell, could Jet tell from where they were and looking around um, where, you know, which direction north might be? Uh... Okay, make a survival check. Okay. Hey, not great, but not terrible. That, uh, 14? You think that the sun sets somewhere beyond the horizon and rises on the opposite side. Um, yeah, so on, honestly, you know how on a super gray day you can't really tell where the sun is in the sky? That's That's how it is here. You would have needed to roll like a nat 20 on that roll to see if you could tell where the sun is. And it's just a gray overcast sky. It just at one point it got really dark and now it's a gray overcast sky again. Okay. All right. Uh, So at this point, there's not really a north, south, east, west that you're going. You know that you've come, we'll just call it up, down, left and right. You have come, you have come up and right from the entrance. So, do you want to go up, down, left, or right, gentlemen? I would say flip. I was going to say flip a coin, but that's there's four different directions. If you that's if you guys if you guys want to know the big secret, it it doesn't matter because I'm rolling random encounters. So just pick a direction and we'll go. I say we roll a four sided or a three sided triangle to figure out where to go. Let's go right. Let's go right. Okay. You guys go right. I'm going to roll dice. I, I will say that as a follower of Lathandar, I am very troubled that I cannot figure out where the dawn rises because that was one of the things of, like, dawn was a, a, an important hour because uh, that's part of his his uh, deityness is the dawn. And so I'm like, I'm slightly perturbed. I'm just kind of letting the dam know. I, uh, Darren is perturbed that I cannot see the sun. And I was cool with it when I was just, like, in the sky, but, like, the moment I, like, slept, and I was like, wait, night happened, and I can't find the sunrise. Okay. 
So you start heading out and you start exiting this greenery based area. There was a lot of grass clippings, there were vines, there were icky mud puddles, and you start entering into a miscellaneous junk area. You see all sorts of things. You see broken trees, you see broken houses, and you just see oodles and oodles and oodles of stuff you don't even recognize, like pipes or half walls or, or so much junk. If it's junk, it's probably there. Up ahead in the distance, you see a flock of birds circling around something on the ground that you can't see. You think to yourself that there must be something interesting down there attracting them. Maybe something unique and valuable in this universe of junk. Maybe someone in distress. This is super railroading. I'm going to say you guys head towards it. <laughs> That's how this is going to work. As you get closer, you see that these are pigeons. And they seem to be of an unusual size. Burn them all. Destroy them all. Kill them with fire. P-O-U-S. <laughs> P-O-U-S. Pus. <Ugh>. Pleasant. <laughs> Pus? It's a junk universe. It's all gross. Pouse, maybe? Pousen. Well, are you saying birds of unusual sizes of or pigeons of unusual sizes? Oh, that's... I'm now just actually imagining it. That sounds awful. Giant like pigeons? Like a huge pigeon? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Burn it, kill it with fire. Oh, God. <laughs> As you get even closer, you begin to notice that the garbage beneath you is of a commercial variety. You step across broken packing cases and crates. You see hundreds of axe halves with no heads. A ten-pack of quilts so sodden and moth-eaten as to be unusable. You remember something mentioned in the handbook, and even in the entry about Salvagian Moss, about a wholesale universe. This must be a trash trove from there. A maybe, wholesale universe? Just maybe universe? there's something good to scavenge up ahead. Uh, are we perturbing the bird? Like, do the bird... Do the birds notice our existence, or are they just consumed with what they're circling? As you get closer, please make a stealth check. Oh, no. The 22 for Brutal. Oh, boy. Ooh, that's a 10. Ooh, and I'm on the back end. Uh, 9. Oh, oh, oh dear. The boot, the, me and Darren, Jed and Darren are both just, le- are just like, oh, as we just walk forward, just kind of staring, not really paying attention to where we're going. Gawking at the pigeons. I also find it funny that the tallest and the smallest person got noticed, but, you know, our average dude is just completely hidden. And I'm also now very frightened that um, our smallest member is probably capturable size by these pigeons if they are as big as described. <laughs> uh, as you reach the top of a heap, of destroyed packing crates, you look down into a small bowl-shaped valley over which this flock of pigeons is circling. You look down into the center of it and you see everything I'm about to show you in roll 20. Yeah, oh. Oh no. You see a lake a small lake of something that looks and smells very much well it smells oily and greasy you guys you guys think it smells kind of like a weird vegetable lard uh, because you guys as characters have not been to the shoplex universe where they have giant deep fryers in which they make uh, churros and oh, no. hot dogs and you know uh, the sort of the sort of food that you get at a wholesale retailer. I immediately uh, shove some of the moss into my nose. <laughs> okay. Yes, you will have advantage uh, for you know I want to say the next ten minutes on any smell based. I see what checks. he's doing and follow suit. I, I, I'm not paying attention, and somebody just stuffs it in my nose for me. So as you get to the top of this hill, you look down and you see this lake of used deep fryer oil. And in it are standing some enormous packing cases that are acting as islands uh, in this. 
And between those packing cases, someone or something has left uh, these wooden planks that go from case to case, scattered seemingly at random throughout this lake. And in the center of the lake, there is the largest, fattest pigeon you have ever seen. It is the size of a small elephant and (laughs) as you see it its wings are so small and it is so fat that you know this thing cannot fly and can probably barely move but even as you take all of this in the pigeons notice you they're they're pretty large each one of them is about the size of mm, let's say about the size of a golden retriever but it's a pigeon um and jeez that's alarming that wingspan has got to be huge. <laughs> As they see you, they start. What does a pigeon sound like? I don't remember. Coo coo coo. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. They do that, but then they clock you almost as one, and they start swooping down towards you. Uh, everybody, roll initiative. And describe your intentions. I must ask first: Does the pigeon have a um, like collar of bread, like it's just, it's just enormous piece of bread upon the big uh, fat pigeon? Yes, for two reasons: one, because that's hilarious, and two, because that's what's in the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> Runel immediately. The first thing he does is he pulls his hood up. He has a hood on his cloak over his head because his first thought is bird poop <laughs> alright yeah um, that's fair He it takes him a while to do that though because he rolled a 5 on initiative so did Darren <laughs> so Darren uh, I also Ooh. rolled a 5 on initiative that is with my plus like with my bonuses I got, him, I got a 7 wow the pigeons go in front of all of you we're just standing. We're just we're just standing here and just being like, "What are we even looking at?" While well, they just while well, they, their angry bird esque bodies start flapping towards. They all just go in unison. So the combat order is pigeons, jet, runal, Darren. So as you see this, they start swooping, and a group of them starts coming down towards you guys, and the rest of them start uh, circling fairly closely around the king pigeon and seem like they are defending the king. Uh, The first one comes down and it makes an attack against you, Runel. And as these things attack, they are kind of dive-bombing and attacking. So uh, what's going to happen is as they attack you... They get an attack, but you will also get an attack of opportunity against them because they're entering and leaving your um, zone of control or leaving your space uh, immediately. All right, so this pigeon comes down, and it makes an attack against you, Runel. A two does not hit your armor class. Uh, Runel, please make a melee attack against this thing. Um, he's gonna swing his, uh, stabber. Um, that is a 25 to hit? Nice. Eight piercing damage? This thing looks super messed up, and it swoops back away from you. The next one comes down, and it attacks you, Jet. A 17? Yep, it hits. Five damage to you. Ah, darn scratch the wings. Now make uh, your melee attack. I'm going to save my reaction. Oh. Okay. All right, that's fair. Uh, next one comes down and attacks you again. Nine doesn't hit your armor class, right? Nope. All right. Uh, it also flies away. Do you want to make that uh, Yeah, I'm gonna save that it. attack? Okay. Next one comes down, and it attacks you, Darren. Ooh, a 19 hits your armor class. And he does. Another five damage to you. Woo! My 32 is dropping fast. Um, All right, and he goes away. Do you want to use your reaction? Uh, yes, I do. I would like to swing my hand axe at him. Okay, make an attack. 
Oop, nope, that's a two. I, I don't even need to add anything to that attack. I know it doesn't hit. Oh, it flies nimbly out of the way. Okay. Jet, it is your turn. Are we sits all standing on the edge of the oil pool? Yes, you are now standing here on the edge of the oil pool. Is it... What... Does it look like bubbling hot, or is it just kind of just oil it sitting is, there? Yeah, it is just oil sitting there. I mean, you don't think good things will happen to you if you fall into it, <laughs> but it is just oil sitting there. Okay, can Jet look around and see if he if he sees any um, onyx bricks or copper gears that we're looking for in this vicinity? I'm not even going to make you roll a perception check. Uh, you do not see them. In, in this area. Uh, there's a bunch of packing crates in the center that seem like they're partially open or open, but you don't see any onyx bricks. All right, I'm just put, putting it out there. Well, I'm, we could just run, or we or are we risking to see what we would take out of in there. I want to see these pigeon, these rats with wings burn, so uh, I say we, uh, we set fire to the place. I also want to uh, see if there's other things from our universe here. All right, all right, all right then. So, um, how far away d- does the Pigeon King look, look from the edge, from where we're standing? So, like maybe thirty feet. Thirty-five, I think. Yeah, literally thirty-five feet. Okay. Yeah, Can, he's, seven, he's seven squares away. Um, what is he stand? What is the, it sitting on? Is he like? Does he have? It is sitting on a nest of large metal baskets that have four wheels on the bottom and a large, long handle on one side. Enormous numbers of these baskets in a giant metal nest that uh, look all look broken and bent out of shape. Gotcha. Okay. That answers that question. Okay. Where uh, is the, the crate nearest to me open that I could get to it? Where's the nearest open crate would? If you go along these planks, you have to make a dexterity trek to get across the planks. Oh, that, well, that's uh, that's playing playing the game for you, sir. Let's go. Uh, Jet's gonna start start going across to get to the first crate. All right, make a dexterity check. Eleven. Uh, All right, that uh, that makes it across. Okay. Eleven makes it across to that one, and you have used uh, ten squares, or you have used ten feet of movement. Okay, where can I go to? I want to go towards the nearest open crate that I see if I can get to, or start getting towards it. Okay, uh, that's going to be going up to over here. Make another dexterity check. Okay, and then I also, as I'm running, can I chuck a hand axe up at one of the birds? Yes, you can. You can once you're standing on one of the uh, one of the things. If if you're doing it as you're crossing, I'm going to make you make the attack with disadvantage. But if you get to the other crate and you've passed your dexterity check, you can just make a regular attack. Well, I'll I'll, I'll chuck it and then I'll move. Okay, all right. Ooh, that that probably misses. It's uh, so a five plus six. Yeah, that misses. Bye, bye, hand axe, and he just bloop, and uh, then I walk then I walk across for seventeen dex check. All right, you get across. You've used now 20 feet of movement. Okay, is that crate open? Do I see any openings there? Uh, so none of these crates are open. These are gigantic sealed crates. Okay. Uh, that you're not sure what's in them, and they are very, very heavily sealed. So where, where am I going to get to the open one? <laughs> Might just be going out of here for nothing. The open ones are all in the center around the Pigeon King. Oh, yo, Yipakaye, of course they are. Because it's a mini boss, we gotta kill it first. Uh... Then I'm just going as far as then I'm just going as far as I can. We're we're gonna keep going. Uh yeah, so that puts you here and ready to make the next dexterity check over here. Oh, and as a bonus a- and as a bonus action, I will use giant smite and become huge. Here we go. Nice. All right, Runel, what are we doing? Runel is going to go onto this first crate here, and he's gonna cast warding wind. Uh, so, before you get onto that first crate, please make a dexterity check. So, 13. Okay, you get onto the crate. And, uh, so what does Warding Wind do? Warding Wind is a second level spell that creates a strong wind that blows around me in a 10 foot radius and moves with me, remaining centered on myself. Uh, the wind has the following effects it deafens 
me and other creatures in its area. It extinguishes unprotected flames that are torch size or smaller. It hedges out vapor, gas, and fog. The area is difficult terrain for creatures other than me. And attack rolls of ranged weapon attacks have disadvantage if the attacks pass in or out of the wind. I will give you more than that. I figured. These are flying <laughs> creatures. Yeah, their attacks will now have disadvantage um, against you. Also... Uh, because I am in the school of evocation, um, when I cast an evocation spell, I can use sculpting spells, which allows me to create pockets of relative safety within the effects of the spells. So, one, three people that I choose can automatically, um, it says automatically succeed um, I can't save throws, but I would argue that that means that they don't need to, that they wouldn't be affected by it. Yeah, we'll say that it doesn't count as rough terrain for them. All right. Uh, excellent. Now we're down to Darren. What are we doing, Darren? All right. Um, I've been prepping this. Guiding Bolt has 120 feet of range. You said this pigeon ain't moving, right? The big pigeon in the center is not moving. All right. I'm going to attract a lot of attention by doing this, but I'm going to throw Guiding Bolt. I'm going to I'm gonna cast Guiding Bolt uh, at King Pigeon. Okay. He is surrounded by a lot of metal carts and cases. You're going to make ranged attacks against him with disadvantage. Well, I rolled two 11s. Does a 16 hit? A 16 does hit. All right. So that's six damage. Wow. Uh, However, yeah. any of the next, uh, before the end of my next turn, any attack made against him uh, has advantage on him now. So it would just dis- it would just be a, a standard attack, even if he's in cover. Okay. All right, that's fair. He looks a little singed, but not particularly injured. All right, back to the top of your order. It's the pigeons. So what's going to happen, pigeons? All right, these two pigeons right up here are going to attack Jet, this guy here, and this guy here. Does a 15 hit your armor class? Oh yeah. Okay, but a two doesn't. Nope. All right, so one of them hits you for three damage. Oh, darn things. And you can make, if you like, use a reaction to make an attack against one of them. Yeah, sure, why not? I'll gra- as, soon, as soon as one's coming by, I'll just do like a karate chop to it to its body as it, as it comes by. Okay. Okay, not terrible. Uh, eight, 18. That very much hits. Uh, seven bludgeoning damage. It looks super, super hurt. Oh, wait, I forgot. I am big now, so I do an extra 1d6 damage, I think. Okay. Extra four. Okay. For a total of 12? Uh, that was... Uh, I know my numbers. I have to scroll between on digital character sheet. I'm sorry. No. What am I even doing here? That's 11 total. You needed one more damage. (laughs) You kill it. You swat it out of the sky, and it falls lifeless into the oil below. I feel like you legit, like, it just finished, like, erupting. Like, it comes by, it it swoops swoops at him when he's tiny. It's like, oh, yeah, and then you just, like... Mario in super sizes, and then just his his arm becomes huge as he whacks it as he karate chops. Bang, and it goes down. Well done. All right, Runel, these three are gonna come attack you. One of them is the injured one, the one on the far left. I'll let you know that. Two of them very much miss. One of them gets a nat twenty. <laughs> Oh, you lucky dog. With that nat 20, they did four damage. <laughs> four damage. Uh, I will let you make a melee attack against them, and well, I'll let you choose the injured one. First, I should make my con save, because that is a concentration spell. That's His a atta- attacks are a disadvantage, right? Oh my gosh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Aha! All of those again. There's a giant swirling dust devil okay. tornado spinning around him. Okay, does a 12 hit your armor class? It does not. Oh, okay, none of them hit you. Nice. But you do still get to make that 
uh, melee basic, or no, this isn't 4E, uh, you do still get to make a melee attack against the injured one. It's, we only get one of them per, per turn. So I'm going to use my dagger. That's a 21 to hit. Oh, that very much hits. And there's no way you don't kill it. You, It comes down at you, and as it's coming, you swing up pretty wildly. You know, you're a wizard, not a fighter. And this razor-sharp dagger just disembowels it, and it goes flopping into the oil and sinks beneath it. All right, Darren. All right. Um, hmm. I'm going to actually try and walk across... I've had bad... I, I was, like, worried of walking across the oil because uh, bad experiences of falling into water previously. But, um... Or was that Recon? I don't remember. No, that I definitely fell into the water. Uh, I'm going to try and cross to the uh, first barrel, or the first uh, box with uh, with uh, Runel. So that's right, a dexterity check. check. Ooh, here we go. That's a four. <laughs> Welcome... <laughs> You fall into the oil. No. Great. And you, I have it's, fur. This is going to be nasty for a long time. You are disgusting. Now, you do have uh, advantage on the constitution saving throw you're about to make. Because of the smell. For disgust. So please make that constitution I'm rolling with different with dice. This dice has not been good to me today. That's a four plus constitution. That's an 11. I have so much constitution. Okay. Uh, you take one point. One point. Of disgust damage. Uh, Is that- and you are able to use the rest of your movement to climb back onto this box if you want, but you are now covered in slick oil. Until you find some way to get that oil off you, you are going to have disadvantage on all dexterity checks to get across these Ooh. crates and planks it's taking a long it's taking a lot of me well now i can't do it i was like trying to avoid using firebolt setting this whole thing ablaze <laughs> um now i physically cannot use firebolt because i will explode um i will climb back up onto the the crate or the shore whichever one you will allow and i will use um hold on because i keep forgetting to write down the rules of quick spell but i am going to use some of my sorcery points Oh, wait. Do I still have an so attack? So before you do that, you, if you want to climb back up onto this crate, I'm going to need a dexterity check with disadvantage. Yay! Can I climb back onto the shore without a worry? Yes, I will allow that. Fine, then I climb back onto the shore. Very, very disgruntled. Uh, more than I already was. Uh, I'm bitter. I'm going to cast Guiding Bolt, which still does at second level, which still doesn't have any... Um, uh, What's it called? Disadvantage, because the disadvantages and advantage discounted each other. So I'm going to cast one Guiding Bolt at level two. Okay. Uh, rolling a nat 20. Um, okay. So, and it still just does normal damage for a spell, correct? Nat 20 doesn't double it? Uh, a nat 20 does not... Oh, yeah, I, I do spell crits. Oh! Well, I rolled that. That's four D6s. Nice. Or five D6s, because I rolled it at second level. Um, 18 plus 5 is 23. That is 23 Ooh. times 2, so that's 46 uh, holy damage to King Pigeon. You have Whoa. very seriously damaged this pigeon. This pigeon is now very unhappy with you. So you did 46 damage, and that is going to be the end of your turn. Circling back around to the pigeons, they are upset and they are going to come three of them are going to come attack you yay um, I, I, I've earned the pigeon's four ire them, four of them are going to come attack you um, and this is, gets interesting because uh, Runel you will also get an opportunity to attack against one of these pigeons but four of them are going to attack you do I get to make that opportunity attack first because it's before he gets to them? Yes. 16 to hit? That hits. 6 piercing damage. Alright, one of them is wounded, but they do still all go in to attack Darren. Are any of them um, within Runel's wind that when they're trying to go for him? 
They are, but they're not attacking Runal. So I'm not going to say it gives them disadvantage to attack there. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, two of them hit. 22 is above 12, and so is 15. My meager hit points are going down fast. Eight damage. Oh, okay, that's not that bad. Uh, 26 minus eight, uh, 18. All right, and then they all go flying back. You can, however, make a... Single uh, opportunity attack. I will use my horns this time. So you can, if you want to, you can make your attack against the same one that Darren that hit, or Runel hit. hit. Yeah, I'm going to do that one, and I'm using my horns this time, like, as he swoops back up, I'm like, whack him with the side of my head. Because um, I have higher attack bonuses with that. But I still only rolled an eight. Wow, I cannot roll an attack today. Um... Yep, okay, that'll be where I end my uh, bonus. Okay, and now that the pigeons have gone, we are down to Jet. Okay, um, not to uh, upset things too much, but uh, did we skip, I think, did we skip me last turn? That's fair. Uh, okay, so Jet, we will say that you get to go twice. Okay, I would... Because I like to be generous. Thank you. Uh, Jet was, like, spending all this time, like, Swatting away the pigeons that he couldn't even get a chance to do what he wanted to do next. He is going to see that the the pigeon king looks like he's he's like he's shining, he's like glowing or whatever. However, his guiding biting worked. Um, he's gonna try and eye any kind of hole he can see in that armor, and then pull out his longbow, brandished it, his uh, Pull off a big chunk of wood from the from one of the crates and then fire it as an arrow. Wait, he's out I of table that. legs. And once again, I want to remind our listeners that this is a gnome longbow, which still has longbow stats, but it's being held in a giant's hand. So you're like holding it with your fingertips <laughs> and drawing it back. All right, you are making an attack, but it is with disadvantage. Go ahead. Uh, but he's he was guiding bolted last turn, so that gives advantage. Ooh, you are absolutely correct. So please make a regular attack. That's 17 to hit. That hits. Uh, that's a two piercing damage. But when it hits, I'll I'll look at the at the at the rune tattooed on his on his right hand, snap his fingers, and activate the runes glow red and magic. Like goes right right from his hand out along the flight path of the air of the piece of wood he chucked. You know, activate his fire rune. Your fire rune jet. <laughs> like I'll, I'm not gonna meta game this one. I'm still I'm on gonna, the shore, but I am I'm, still covered in oil. <laughs> I'm gonna use the DM term for this. Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> do it. Do Good it. Good point. <laughs> no, do it. I feel like if, if, I feel like jet. No, no, okay, Jet does not have dump wisdom, he has dump intelligence, he's been around a grease fire before. However, yeah. my warding wind specifically says it snuffs out fires. Around you. Around me. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, it snuffs out, uh, not all fires, but some fires. This is about to be a roaring inferno, like a hundred feet across. That are sure. I, I was sure just thinking about... Torch sized or similar? <laughs> I'm not torch sized, dude. I'm big. I'm like six eight. Good point. Well, you're, you're covered in a lot of little torches. <laughs> Jet has is okay with you know with violating social rules because he really doesn't care. But he got a point that he's not idiotic, and he could and he could kind of kind of tell that. Jet did notice that he that Darren had, had fallen into the oil. Anyway, well, well, he just did. He did a poultry, poultry fire with a chunk of wood, and he'll go, he'll go across the next crate to try and get close the distance. All right, make a dexterity check. What is that? It's ten. Ten does not make it. You fall into the oil. What? You can get right back out with another dexterity check with disadvantage this time. Lovely. Just a French fry at this point. Four, uh, wait, disadvantage. <laughs> okay, that's better. Yeah, well, one of those a four. I misspoke. Fourteen. Okay, that does get you out. Uh, so you are now back on uh, this crate over here. I just realized <laughs> well, this is a pigeon nest. So he, yes. he's just, he looks like he's been tar and feathered. 
<laughs> yes, Jet, at this point, you look like almost a giant pigeon yourself. Like a ghillie suit of feathers. And Darren, Darren is, a cow, is a cow in a pigeon suit. Oh, uh, someday, someday, when we have listeners who make fan art for us, I hope they draw this scene. Please. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah, that's you still my have turn. a bunch of your... Uh, I mean, you can move in closer to the Pigeon King if you want to. You're just going to make that last dexterity check with disadvantage again. Risk it for the biscuit. All right. Dexterity check with disadvantage. Go ahead. I don't think it's going to be lower than that, but it might be... Six. It's just wipeout style. Just his feet And you're slipping. back in the oil. <laughs> Do I get that for a second time or I just wallow? Uh, no, at this point, you're out of movement. So, yeah, you are, uh, you are kind of wallowing in the oil... And that means attacks against you are going to have advantage. You're not sinking, but it's going to count as being prone. But again, he is really tall, remember? So, like, is it, like, his waist? Like, how deep is this oil? I mean, at this point, it's you You kind of clambered your way out. It is It is up to his, like, mid, mid chest. So it was almost up to your mouth, Darren, when you fell in for that mental image. Yay! Sinking and crude, disgusting. Disgusting used fry cook. Yes, that. Runel, what are you doing? I can cast other spells, right? Just not other concentration spells. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to cast Scorching Ray. Hey. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, pause. <laughs> that was a We joke. just had this discussion. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna cast Magic Missile. All right, who are we attacking? Which ones have damage? At this point, this guy over here has damage uh, up to up on top of you. Well, I'm gonna cast it as a second level. Okay. How, do, how much damage did he take? Was it a lot? Does he seem injured? It was a lot, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna cast one missile at him and then two at the one below me, or three at the one below me. Okay. Excellent. It does one d four plus one. Is it? Yes. The one above you dies. We're not going to make you roll for that. Uh, you hit him, and it thwacks it right in the beak, and it goes spiraling down into the oil and falls beneath the surface. And the one below is taking... Ooh, nice. 13 points of force damage. Runel, do me a favor. Describe to me, in the coolest possible detail, what it looks like to kill two pigeons in one turn. So as um, Runel, you know, he's also in the middle of this tornado that's surrounding him. He um, he kind of spins with the tornado and shoots out these missiles from his wand. Um, and uh, these these magic darts kind of fly out and they they all strike the bird simultaneously um, and uh, from that point forward it, the the phrase killing two birds with one spell was born and used by everyone in the world who somehow knew about this event <laughs> That's beautiful. That was that was very Tolkien-esque, where I don't, like, yes. what was it, like, the bull Yes, I invented, invented golf. The game of golf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking the goblin's head into the hole. Yes. Oh, well done. Well done. I imagine there's a little wisp of energy coming off your wand, and you and you blow it off before you reholster it. Yes, of course. Well, I'm, I'm still, I'm still in, uh, I'm still in combat, so I don't reholster it. But, um, okay. um, actually, he then looks at one of the other pigeons and says, Do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> well, do you? I, I would make you roll an intimidation check, but their intelligence score is too low for that. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of looks at you with one eye and goes, I, I can't he do this. He says, I know noise. what you're thinking. Did I cast three or four magic missiles? <laughs> you just have to ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky, punk? Ah, <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, Darren, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know what I can do to, uh, like, 
respond and, to that. And let's <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, Darren, how do you feel? Because you did you did a bunch of damage, but you have looked nowhere near as cool as Runel has in all of this. And you, let's be honest, you look a sorry sight. And Runel's over here, surrounded by winds and killing things with single blows. I've been tarred yeah, and feathered, but I have lit up King Pigeon like a Christmas tree, and I'm about to do it again. Here we go. Uh, I still technically have advantage because it's the end of my now turn, so I'm going to cast Guiding Bolt one more time at this thing to see how it goes. That's an eight. That does nothing. No. No, it doesn't. Um, All right. Wait, Are you going to try to move anywhere? Uh, fine. I'm going to risk trying to move to that stinking dock again, that next barrel. Okay. Dexterity Whee! check with disadvantage. disadvantage Yay. Let's play Wipeout. Five doesn't make it. Fall <laughs> right back in, and I clamber right back up <laughs> back to the shore. Into the oil. Okay. I clamber right back up to the shore, looking quite the miserable sort. Very, very <laughs> perturbed, and showing it plainly on my face. Yeah. Okay. So, that's, um, that's like half your movement. You want to try again? Nope. I'm quite all right. I am, I am, I'm like almost like, I'm a, like, I look, I've like, my arms are crossed. Like, I'm looking, but I'm like, I'm looking down, but I'm still like looking up. So I'm like really glaring like a kid, your kid is like at a birthday party and he didn't get a party favor. I'm like, I'm this close to sitting down, uh, cross-legged in just a pout. Yeah, I have. I have no category for what it looks like for a giant minotaur to pout, but I think I'm starting to imagine it. That's... I never... A minotaur pout. I think that's like a new... You know how the, every once in a while there's a, a sentence that's never been said before? I'm a giant minotaur and I'm pouting. I think that qualifies. Yeah. Um, ears droop down like a like a little, little lonely dog, and he's just at the at puppy dog eyes. A a bit of oil drips down off one of your horns, like it makes a little puddle on the on the shore of the oil lake. Drip, drip, drip. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 actually putting a reference image into uh, the chat real quick, um, <clears throat> just so that we can be uh, aware of uh, what this is supposed to look like. It's <laughs> just a cow. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's great. I looked up pouting cow. That was the first thing that came up. <laughs> that is, in fact, a pouting cow. Oh, Poor man. Bessie. Listeners, I wish you could see this. That's, yeah. That's great. Oh, man. Mm. Okay. Oh, we're back to the pigeons, aren't we? All right, there's less of them now. Uh, so the, these two are going to come over and attack Runel. And these three, in fact, these four are going to come over and attack Jet because he's getting really close to their king. So, Runel first. A disadvantage. With disadvantage, thank you. You're so lucky because one of them got a nat 20, but it also got it also got a 2. <laughs> so, yeah, you pass by unscathed. Please feel free to attack one of them. 24 to hit. All right, that definitely hits. Go ahead. I'm killing it with these. That's a seven. All right, it is looking super hurt. And then Jet, four of them are attacking you with advantage. Oof. He's like, he's just, he just, I can just imagine just like his, his, he's just sitting there with his, it at his waist and just, just with a sour look on his face. This is my life. Three of them hit you with 16 pluses. Oof. Oh boy. Thirteen damage. Jed is just 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 annoyed. Alright. Uh now you get to react by attacking one of them if you like. I'm gonna just sug- at, suggest something. Is they're flying away and they're all just kinda flying around. But I try and try and just do it uh just swing my uh, my arm at a wide arc to try and whack two of them at once. Yeah, sure. Do I roll once or uh you roll twice. I'll I'll let you make two attacks. And I am just, it is just, this is just a bad day. <laughs> those are both, those, oh wait, no wait, the one of them's 11, the others are 15. Okay, 15 hits. Okay, boom, that's two plus uh, six, six bludgeon, bludgeon damage. All right, he looks pretty hurt and he's got some oil on him, so he's having a little difficulty flying. We are back around two. All right, Jet, it's your turn now. Okay, well, uh, I wanted 
I want to try and get out. Can I? Am I close enough to the, towards the nest that I could get on? Or do I get on the the one that I yes, was? Yes, but it's going to take a dexterity check with disadvantage to get up into it. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a good one, but it ain't going to last. Nope. That's six. I'm just. I, I'm. This is just full bikini tan salon covered in oil. This is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Like a kid trying to climb up, climb up a slide in a rainstorm. It's just like, hey, why, why can't I get up? Yeah, kid, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so that's that's going to use 10 feet of your movement. I'll let you try again. Okay, yeah, good. Okay, well, that's just, those are both the same. That's, that's 12. That works. And then and then the kid just digs in his heels, and then that jet just digs in his heels and just like uses as much friction as he can get, just claws his way to the top. Okay, excellent. You are now in the nest with the king pigeon. What are you gonna do? So is he like surrounded in like a globe, like a cages above and outside of him, or is he just sitting on it? They come up in a wall, kind of around him, in like a classic nest shape, uh, like a big bowl of broken shopping carts. Uh, so you you are now on the edge of this bowl, and you can jump down into it. Okay, gotcha. What, as soon as as soon as I'm in field of view, what's its reaction? It slowly turns its head and blinks one eye at you, and it gives a very low guttural. That's an interesting noise from a pigeon. And uh, it kind of like jerks one wing at you, but it looks like it doesn't move very well because of just how big and fat this pigeon is. You've there was like a look of disgust when you, just when he jet first saw pigeons the size of a dog, and now that he's in front of it, he's dirt. His, his his pupils widen a bit. He's like, "Do I have to?" As he think thinks in his head, uh, "Going to because he's pretty big." <laughs> can I try to jump on its back and then kind of. Um, grab its wings and pin it down in a... Um, so you're trying to grapple it, is what you're saying. I want to see if I could jump on his back and first try and, and hit it with an unarm strike and then if I hit, I'm going to grapple with my bonus action as I'm a tavern brawler. Go ahead. Uh, that would be a 21 to hit. That hits. Uh, six bludgeoning damage. And then on as an action, then he attempt to grapple. He just jump jumps on the jumps on the back, goes for the wings, twists them to do, do the damage, and then tries to pin them down so he can't so he can't move. Not like it was going to move anyway. All right, a strength contest. Not like it was going to move anyway. No, believe it or not, this thing's acrobatics isn't very good, so it rolled athletics. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, it's just resisting pure fat. That's going to be a twenty-six. All right, you grab this thing's tiny little wings on this big fat pigeon and you yank them behind it in uh, a pigeon arm bar or a wing bar if you prefer yeah probably it's like not it probably doesn't do much he's more like actually like digging his heel into it to just keep it to like keep it in place probably what i'd say yes it was definitely definitely on the verge of taking to the skies and flying away and it's Okay, so it will take 1d8 necrotic damage at the start of the Pit King Pigeon's turn. Yes. Uh, if it does anything. And it also can't regain hit points. All right. That was a great turn. Runel, what are you doing? Runel's going to try and move up to this crate. Okay. Make a dexterity check. That's a 15. That makes it. Yes. And he is now going to cast... He's going to cast Frostbite. Okay. At who? Uh, I don't know. One of the pigeons. All right. Two of them are very injured. Yeah, one of them. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, cause a numbing frost. Uh, target's going to make a constitution saving throw. I need to look up what these things' constitution is. It's not great. Oh, man. But a nat 20 always succeeds. Um, and I'm assuming they're not within my tornado, right? No. Now, is that something that does half damage? Nah, so I'm looking... It nah, it's a cantrip, so it does not. Okay. Well, this thing lives to fly another day. All right. 
Yeah, that'll do it for room. Okay. Cycling back all the way around to Darren. Darren, what are you doing? I say we go all the way to uh, Pouting Cow for this, the rest of the, uh, the rest of the podcast, or at least the rest of this episode. Hey, uh, Pouting, Pouting Cow, Cow, what are you doing? Cash one more guiding bolt because everything else I have is either related to breaking the ground, which I can't do in oil, or uh, burning. So guiding bolt level two. Let's go. Gosh, does an eight hit this grappled? Wait, do we have advantage because he's grappled? You don't. Okay, I don't. He only cannot move because he is grappled. That's the only thing that does. It helps me more than it helps everyone else. An eight doesn't hit this giant fatso, does it? No, it doesn't. It just splashes off the shopping carts. Um, I'm going to use Quicken Spell to cast the cantrip Acid Splash at this thing. It's it's less than 60 feet away from me. We're giving this a try. Okay. I've been losing my mind, and the pouting cow is... Here we go. That is a two. So that's a seven. Still don't hit. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's that's a deck. That's not an. That's not a. Uh, that is not an attack roll spell. It's not. Oh, you're right. It's a deck save. I'm tired. I'd read that wrong. Fine. I cast Acid Splash. How fast is this fat pigeon? Acid Splash on the King Pigeon. On or the, the other King pigeon? pigeon. Okay. I'm only going after the King. Pigeon. He is not very dexterous. Okay. I cast Acid Splash. Yeah. Four doesn't do it. Uh, it does not beat myself. No, it doesn't beat a 13, no. Okay. So that is 1d6. I want this thing to very much fry. Though, uh, can't burn it as of now. That's a 3? I don't get any bonuses that, so that's just a 3. Alright, there's a little more damage. Yay. Good for you. He's slightly irritated now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright, uh, back around to the pigeons. So... At this point, these three pigeons are going to attack Runel. These two pigeons are going to attack Jet. And this pigeon is going to come over here. And he's not getting within range. He's going to make an attack that they haven't made before. Uh, Darren, does a 19 hit your armor class? Uh, yes, a 19 hits. Uh, you take one point of acid damage because this thing poops on your head. <laughs> Yay! My day just gets better and better. <laughs> All right. Runel, they attack with disadvantage. None of them hit. Runel, you have avoided a nat 20 like three times in a row because of that disadvantage. That was a great play. All right, two of them are going to attack Jet. An 18 hits your armor class. For sure. One damage. Stop picking me. All right. Runel, do you want to make an attack against one of them? One of them is very injured. I sure do. Did I not get an attack of opportunity because all it did was relieve itself upon my forehead? That is absolutely correct. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) So Uh, sorry. 14 to hit. (laughs) That does hit. All right. Uh, They're going to say there's no way you don't kill this thing. Uh, you reach up and just slash it across the throat. Little Stabber has just, man, Little Stabber's been earning his keep this time. Sure uh, Jet, you want to make it that uh, response attack? Well, um, no, I'm going to save my reaction. Does King Pigeon respond at all to my advances? Well, now. Um, no, he just seems like vaguely, like he like wiggles a little bit, his fat jiggles, but that's it. How are you making me feel bad? I just attacked this thing that's sitting there doing nothing. I mean, its very presence is causing the other pigeons to attack you. Sure. And they started attacking you right off the bat. Like it weren't, it wasn't like you were the aggressors here. Yeah, but he was just sitting there, big round boy. I don't know. Jet, maybe Jet doesn't have that much compassion. <laughs> Matt might, but Jet doesn't. All right, and now it's Jet's turn. Well, at the start of the pigeons, at the King Pigeon's turn, he's going to take an extra 1d8 necrotic damage from this Ooh, creepy yes. glove so, yeah, roll on that. my hand. It, it goes at the same time as the rest of the pigeons, and its action was just a wiggle a little bit. <laughs> okay, that's two necrotic damage. And also at the start of, at the start of my turn, because I'm just good at that, it's an extra d4 damage. 
of bludgeoning damage. So that's that's two. It's a total of four. Two necrotic, two two bludgeoning. Okay. Uh, and then we're just gonna say I'll uh, I'll try to make this quick, but and I try and I try and uh, race against its wings, almost like I'm trying to crack them to try and finish it. Okay. Make an attack roll. Wait, that sounds more cruel. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jet will keep continue to press his, his foot, his giant foot into it, and try and uh, keep it in place. Then he's gonna go for the neck to try and uh, to try and finish it if, if he can. Okay, make an attack roll. Unarmed strike for twenty. Yeah, twenty-four. Yeah, that hits. And 1d8 plus 4. Woo! An 8. That's 12 bludgeoning damage. And he's giant, so an extra d6 plus 3 is 15. All right, Jet. Describe what it looks like for a giant gnome to strangle a giant pigeon to death. <laughs> I'd imagine it looks like a regular gnome strangling a regular pigeon. <laughs> pigeon. Just without the depth perception. <laughs> Just not to scale. <laughs> if you were, like, in the distance, you'd be looking at this being like, oh, look at that gnome. He's just, like, he's he's really going at that pigeon. And then you get up close and you're like, oh, no, that is not the scale. So what Runel and... The difference between what Runel oh, and Darren great. are currently seeing. So I just see a gnome strangling a pigeon off in the distance. Oh, that's wonderful. Jet is going to keep it, and it using his foot to pin it down. He's going to pull the, the spiked claw from death, death grass glove in one hand and his bare hand in the other and just twist his neck and snap, snap his neck to finish finish it off. Because this thing deeply disturbs him, but it has it's done nothing to him. So he just wants to end it quickly. It goes limp, rolls over onto its back, Gives one last... No, nah, I guess with a strapped neck, it wouldn't give a death coup. Uh, but it dies, and the other pigeons, leaderless, fly off and scatter to the winds. It rolls. It starts rolling and... over onto me. Oh, wait, no, no, no! <laughs> uh, you manage to push it off into the side, and it does not crush you or smother you. Can I, as they're running away, do a uh, reaction and cast a... F- uh, uh, another acid splash at one of these pigeons. I'm I'm just bitter at this rate, and I want to see. Is them all that fly. a cantrip? Yes, yeah, a cantrip. Yeah, go ahead. Yay! Uh, they have to make a deck saving throw. Oh yeah. Uh, higher than thirteen. Yeah, nineteen is higher than the thirteen. It flies off like you you cast acid at it. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. As it, as it goes off, um, does a seventeen hit your, hit your armor class? You take one more point of poop down. <laughs> Yay! All right. Uh, now, slowly and carefully this time, without having to make the dexterity I'm not. Test. No, I'm not going over. I'm staying on the shore. I, I just sit down bitterly and just don't go over. <laughs> okay. Runal, Darren, uh, you guys start hunting around in these half-open cases, and you find... What do you find? Okay. You find a box of daggers, 100 count. There are 100 daggers in this box of daggers. There is a goodberry bundle, right? Uh, There is a 50 count pack of goodberries, if you guys are familiar with that. And there is... A 15-pack of 15-foot ladders, each of which have a single rung broken off, so they weren't sellable. So they just tossed them away. But these uh, these 15-foot ladders are pretty serviceable, just missing one rung. And the good berries... Uh, Jet, you pop one into your mouth, because that's the sort of person that you are. <laughs> and you taste that it's really, really sour. Uh, make a constitution saving throw real quick. Oh, jeez. Not for damage. 16. You uh, sp- you managed to choke it down, but it's um, it might be hard to choke these down sometimes because they are just so sour. You now have 49 sour good berries, 100 daggers, and 15 15-foot ladders, all of which will fit inside your bag of holding should you choose to put them in there. Who is the bag of holding again? <laughs> Was it me? You, uh... Yeah, I think you do. Probably me, yeah. Probably me, because it's so, so, it gets heavy. 
yeah, I just start stuffing in. How oh, wait, these are fifteen foot ladders, so I'm just it's like I mean, fifteen, this, fifteen foot ladders. Is this like Mary Poppins just trying to put this giant yeah, oh, ladder yeah. <laughs> in the bag? Absolutely, it is. You are just you took a fifteen foot ladder and just zoop, it disappears inside the bag. <laughs> I am really curious to see what you guys will do with those 15-foot ladders. You now have 15 of them. This could get wild. Anyway, thanks, guys, for being great players. Thanks, listeners, for being great listeners. And as always, thanks to my wife, who lets me play Dungeons & Dragons as a hobby. You guys are all pretty fantastic. The following tracks were used with the permission of a free license through Incompetech Film Music. All music was composed by Kevin McLeod. Here are the titles in order of appearance. Second Coming No Percussion. Second Coming Instrumental. The Path of the Goblin King. Motherload. There It Is. And, at last, Attack of the Mole Men again. Once again, as always, thank you to Kevin McLeod. Your stuff is really, really great.